to episode 13 of Timberwolves Tip to Tap. That's tip as in tip off for the Minnesota Timberwolves and tap as in the best the Twin Cities craft beer scene has to offer. I'm Dan Hilton, frontman for indie rock bands Southern Resident Killer Whales and Sender's Dream. And I am Josh Dye with the Convene Training and Resilience Community and we are so excited that you are joining us for the only podcast in the world to focus on the world-class Twin Cities craft beer scene and the stay after class working in any, in the off season Minnesota Timberwolves all right now we are going to make like tropic bursts of pineapple coconut and mango and go right into the beer josh josh where are we re- broadcasting live from today you know what dan the masses are not going to believe it but we are on site at a brewery for the first time Ooh. in our podcast history and today we are at 56 Brewing at 3055 Columbia Avenue Northeast in Minneapolis. We are up here in the mezzanine on this windy day. They have a beautiful patio we're here. We're not out on the patio, Josh. You know, we're supposed to be on the <laughs> patio, but it is a windy day out there today. So we're in the mezzanine, which is and can be reserved for private parties. There are pinball machines up here, a TV. I would love to have a birthday party up here mm-hmm. or some gathering a little private space for your for your group but access to the great beer some fun features from 56 brewing is well a the patio super nice outside b the tap room indoors is beautiful there's trivia every wednesday at 7 p.m hosted by trivia mafia and let us really focus on what matters most at breweries dan which is what the beer they have a new release right now, the Kabloom Double Dry Hopped IPA. And you, in the intro, said Bursa Pineapple, Coconut, and Mango is a tip of the cap to the Kabloom, which where they crammed a whole lot of flower power. And by flower, they mean hops and tropic bursts of coconut, pineapple, and mango into this Double Dry Hopped IPA. Uh, I've booked my taste buds a vacation, Dan, with the Kabloom. Dan, what are you drinking? Josh, I am drinking the Big Mini Double IPA. Um, They actually have a couple double IPAs on tap right now, and both big fans of pretty much everything they do at 56. It was our first brewery that we did, right, when we kicked the show off. First podcast episode when we predicted that the suns would be bad. (laughs) That was draft night, though, before they traded for Chris Paul. That's true. But we are a, if nothing else, Dan, we are a transparent podcast. <laughs> we'll stand by our takes, right? And, and yeah. also, we were sort of, I was projecting that Chris Paul would not stay healthy, which he didn't stay healthy for any season for like eight seasons in a row. And like, what happened the last couple of years? Who knows? But anyway, yeah. So, but back to the beer. <laughs> um, the Big Mini is, uh, I, I would say it's a pretty classic double IPA. It's not trying to be a hazy. It's not trying to... Um, do anything too souped up and it's just really you can really taste a pretty forward alcohol in there which I'm really going for when I have one of these guys and um, it's just very solid like everything they do here but they have a number of beers on tap you know from usually have a couple sours right now they have um, and I was spacing out for just a minute while you're talking did you mention that they have a maple brown which I was going to mention the maple okay. brown well, I'll turn it back over to you yeah, if you thanks have something for spacing to say about it. out during <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out technical stuff. This is the first time we've recorded sort of live and not 
like through my recording software and not through uh, a Zoom type mm-hmm. app. Yeah, so Maple Brown Ale, Dan, what's special about that one is they are, at least on this day, offering $3 pints of the Maple Brown Ale. That is most certainly the beer I will be getting <laughs> next. It's also kind a of a little more of a session, right? It's a little lower on the alcohol, I think. 4.4%. Okay. Uh, yeah. Not even enough to qualify for the beer mile. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't call it a session, Dan, just because uh, I feel like sessions are more of an IPA thing as opposed to a... Uh, uh, other style of beer. Am I wrong there? I've never seen the session label attached to a non-IPA beer. Prove me wrong. I can't prove you wrong right now. I just sort of assume that session meant that it is a um, a beer that it has lower alcohol so that you can have many in a session. But I don't know. But let's take a look at some of their other beers, Dan. They have yeah. the Crispy Business, a Czech Pilsner. Also 4.4% alcohol by volume. The Crispy Business Pilsner Lemon Shandy. That sounds like a summer treat. Mm. Dad's Basement Beer. The Lil Sippy, which they call a session New England IPA. We should say that the Sippy is sort of an ongoing bit with them with their Sippy Squeeze and variations Mm -hmm. on that. And referring to, for those of you not in this area, where Minneapolis is right on the banks of the Mississippi. Yeah, but, you know, as I look at their ABVs, and we don't usually get into the technicalities of beer too much, but a number, you and I have both happened to get the beers that are 8%, but many of their (laughs) others... So look out for our responses to (laughs) reader mail. More of those hot suns takes uh, (laughs) later, but yeah, a lot of 4 to 5% ABV beers, which means you can drink more and enjoy 56 brewing from the liquor store, but get on down to the tap room, enjoy some trivia, play some games in the mezzanine, get out on the patio, and support this wonderful local brewery. Dan, anything else you want to say related to the beer here? Uh, I don't know about, about the beer, but this is, I think, the closest, the brewery that is closest geographically to where I live, right across the river from my beloved North Minneapolis, really? right across the Cam- Camden Bridge, yeah. Wicked Wart in Robbinsdale. I'm sort of almost equidistant between the two. Do we blur out the names of other breweries while we're featured? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, yeah, an easy little bike ride over here on the St. Anthony Parkway. And it's it's kind of a nice stopping point for, like, right off the road for many, uh, many routes, north, south, east, and west. And a high variety of beers. So we are excited to be at 56 Brewing today. But it is time, Dan, to talk Minnesota timber wolves dan on a scale of one to ten here in our hot or cold segment what's your overall excitement level for the team right now here in june the off season the draft lottery already happened where the wolves get the seventh pick that is given away to the golden state warriors so there are some fans who are like wah wah as a result of that but Right now, June, post-draft lottery heading into the draft for the Wolves. Don't have a first-round pick for the first time in quite a while. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm excited that we don't have to pay all that money that you, you're obligated to pay a high draft pick when you draft. Hmm. <laughs> can really save on our salary cap space, can't we? <laughs> um, no, it was it was to be expected, right, that we weren't going to get that draft pick. So I maybe other people weren't being completely... Uh, transparent when they said it but I honestly was not counting on us getting that pick and I was sort of thinking about look projecting forward to next year 
how am I feeling about this roster that we have and a strong likelihood that we would have something really similar um, going into next year. So I've been sitting around about an eight out of 10 on my excitement level. I think I'm still there. You know, maybe you get a little bit of a ding from not getting that draft pick, but at the same time, it feels like some other organizations right now in the NBA are floundering for one reason or another. Mm. And we're just kind of, you know, we're not the focus for being uh, the organization with the most dysfunction at present, which is kind of a nice, rare place for the Timberwolves to be. And so I think I'm still sitting at a strong eight. How about you, Josh? Well, I'm curious, who are you putting in that floundering category right now? I, I'm talking more from a PR standpoint. Any standpoint. Um, who's floundering? Sure. Uh, Portland, where they're talking about Damian Lillard on the way out. Philly, who is like the team that everyone has been uh, – Every national podcast features more Philly talk than, like, Mm. any other franchise. And suddenly there's, like, this talk of blowing it up. They're talking about these trade packages that Ben Simmons uh, gets Ben Simmons out and brings in a bunch of first-round draft picks. (laughs) Like, what, you're going to pair a bunch of first-round draft picks and, say, Kyle Lowry with, (laughs) you know, Ben Simmons? What is that timeline even supposed to be? And it's just interesting how fast – fortunes and perceptions of a team can change um yeah, dallas is the one seed in the east and, and, and they're talking year. about <laughs> blowing, blowing it up, it up. <laughs> number one seed yeah okay dallas, and, and then dallas and you know the the apparent you know and who knows who knows what the true deal is but this idea that you know, everybody's kind of pissed at Przingis and luca's mad at the organization and then you know you got hiring these people with personal character blemishes on their records as no coach. not that anything but that yeah. right yeah so <laughs> well, i'm just saying the the microscope and magnifying yeah. glass is not on the wolves at the moment right and how do you feel dan i know this isn't necessarily hot or cold but it does contribute to the excitement of the timberwolves is that portland has hired chauncey billups as head coach we don't know what chauncey will be like as head coach we've never seen it we've seen him on tv I, I don't. I'm not going to remember the exact tape, but take, but I remember him having such a bad basketball take that when I saw him under consideration, it was just a classic sort of studio crew TNT type basketball take that I was like, oh, you could not bring this guy in to coach the Wolves, and so the fact that they did not and somebody else did thrills me to no end. And like I, I don't want to see any other franchise succeed especially in the West, because I simply want the Wolves to succeed. And it, it, in basketball record standpoint, it, it is a zero-sum game. <laughs> it really is when you're jockeying for, for uh, playoff position. So Portland hires an unknown in Chauncey Billups, and Dallas hires kind of a known in <laughs> Jason Kidd on Ooh. the recommendation of their departing coach, which I think is so fascinating. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like You're departing under not entirely understood circumstance but you think like hire this guy (laughs) see how it works like as if he's like has zero track record i think you should hire ernest from the ernest movies (laughs) 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 right okay so you're you're at an eight for many reasons thanks for talking about your the floundering franchises i felt like you were trying to bait me into something did you have an agenda by asking no i was you know i i wanted an opportunity to hear your perspective on the chauncey hiring the jason kidd hiring and then i think another thing that adds to the 
excitement of the Wolves, but also a little salve of the wound of not keeping the draft pick, even though yeah, the odds were not in our favor. Devin, one of my friends, who is also a former, uh, you could say, beat writer who had a press pass to the Wolves, oh, wow. which we'll have on the podcast, I think, in the future, is uh, right before the draft lottery, he said, we have a Jared Culver hitting a three chance of keeping the pick. And I was like, well, when you put it that way. <laughs> but... Didn't something like four, the top four draft lottery positions go to Eastern Conference teams? Is that accurate? Mm. Let's see. Detroit. Orlando didn't get one, but it was Detroit and wasn't it Cleveland? You're looking it up, so yeah. All right. Oh, you got it there? I so what, what I will say yeah, is... Detroit. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. Houston, that's Western Conference. Cleveland, Toronto, Orlando is the top five. So four of the top five okay. are Eastern Conference teams. Nice. So to my excitement level, Dan, I, usually you are more excited than I am. No, no, I don't think that's true. Last, the last episode, I was higher than you. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm higher than you, Dan. I'm, I'm a nine on this team nice. right now. When you look at what's happening with what happened to close the season with even without Malik Beasley, our fully featured lineup of what we really would consider our core was very competent, competitive, entertaining and fun basketball. Yeah. And I think that we will see uh, Rosas do some moves in the offseason to further improve the roster, attempt to improve the roster. And I think. If we go in as is we are, and stay healthy, always the caveat, uh, we're going to see some really exciting basketball ahead in this town. At the very least, it will be very exciting, fun basketball, yeah. and maybe even, yeah, good basketball. It's, it's funny, I, in various Twitter talk recently, the whole stuff about Damian Lillard's now sort of disillusionment with his franchise, and maybe he's requesting to get out mm-hmm. and you see trade proposals coming out that like oh Damian Lillard to the Wolves and what if we you know for Ant and you know whatever and in fairness they're usually throwing in some really valued draft picks sure. and you know maybe Jade McDaniels but would you, you trade Damian Ant for Damian Lillard right now <laughs> so, I would not and if you're not from Minnesota <laughs> you've not been watching the Wolves you would think I'm insane yeah they just turned off the podcast right but. But people from Minnesota, that has been the general consensus is like, no, Damian Lillard's like 31. And, you know, is if it if it's not going to happen in the next couple of years, he's probably going downhill fast. I mean, we've seen some longevity recently in fairness from some, some players in the league. But um, if you were to ask one of us like a year ago this time, we knew he had a, an impending number one pick in this allegedly terrible draft class, like, a year from now, would you trade sight unseen, unplayed, like mm. Damian Lillard for this yet unknown entity that will be a number one draft pick? <laughs> You'd be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And the fact that we are that excited that it is even a conversation, even if yeah. you don't agree. Um, yeah, I, I think I did say something not too long ago, and I'll simply say it again. I don't know that there are that many players in the NBA I would trade for Ant at this point, having seen the second half of last season and understanding what his ceiling really is. It's like 38% free throw or three-point shooter on 
step back threes mm. after the All-Star game, actually higher than 38%, on top of his entire other package. Like, oh, man, the trajectory of that kid. So, yeah, yeah. that's a, a large part of where this excitement comes from. There's other things to be excited about, but it kind of begins it kind and of all ends all sits with on Ant right now, yeah. doesn't it, in terms Love of the excitement and just the competence and professionalism on the court, at least uh, basketball-wise, of Cat and... Uh, with D'Lo yeah. hopefully coming back for a full season. A lot to be excited Ooh. about. So, Dan, uh, our, our optimism is high. Compare yourself to last year at this time in terms of – because we thought the Wolves were going to be competitive. You had them as the seven seed going into this mm-hmm. past year, which had they stayed healthy, which you could say that about anybody, but it's, the point stands. Uh, you had them at the seven seed, which is pretty optimistic. Sure, in retro, in retrospect, sure, but, but like reasonable who knows? given the, um, I mean, they, the hey how well, we performed with the full set over those handful of closing games. Sure, and and like you said, there were a lot of X factors, a lot of teams with a lot of injuries, and so it's, you can't say had D'Lo and Cat been healthy the entire year because nobody was healthy from any team the mm. entire year. But that said, two and zero with a victory over Utah in our first two games, and then and then the bottom dropped out. So. Who's to say we would not have finished in the seventh seed? So, I'm, I'm not so willing are to you entirely concede that point. Right, but are you more excited going into this next year than you were last year? I can't say I'm super confident that we will get over, say, a seventh seed, but I will say that I'm more excited because I love Ant and Jaden McDaniels and promises of what we seem to be getting glimpses of not promises but glimpses that we were seeing at the end of this last year i'm more excited i I don't know that i'm more confident in the outcome but i think it's gonna be more fun basketball right so dan we we normally have a segment called the freak out and do you see what i did there because like i do yeah okay i i i I saw and i just wanted i wanted it to rest as is because i thought it you are more excited but not necessarily more confident and i think that's fair so, Dan, we normally have a segment on freaking out, but you are going to co-opt it with a mailbag segment. Tell us more. Well, and this is the – do you see what I did there? Because people are always freaking out. Uh, so we normally talk see, about – I didn't see it. Okay. We, As you spaced out when I was talking <laughs> yes. before, I, uh, I'm kidding. I didn't. So, so we normally have a, a segment called the freak out, and what I've done is I've turned this over to a little mailbag thing I put out an hour before we printed off the outline. and. A couple of people weighed, or three people weighed in with stuff before I said, okay, enough mailbag. Um, so we'll see if we can get to these three questions. Yeah, and let me read this first one to you. Does that sound yeah, good? Yeah, that sounds good. All right, from at the Alley Ope. And I love that Twitter handle, by the way. The Shout out. Alley, A-L-L-E-Y, and then O-P-E, like Ope. The <laughs> Which Alley is Ope. The Minnesota, you know, yeah. Yeah, Ope. Ope. Ope, sorry, I didn't mean to put that <laughs> off the glass for you. <laughs> Oh, sorry about the turnover. Okay. The oh, a- did I run into you going down the lane? <laughs> oh, did I fall down again after <laughs> driving to the hole? Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> All right. So at the alley, Ope, with a lot of the younger guys spending much of the offseason in town, if Rosas is unable to make any significant moves prior to opening day, what would those players most benefit from working on as a unit? 
Well, I think the thing that this team is still lacking more than anything else is reps. So I think some of those issues of getting in sync, defensive assignments, communication, all that. You know, we, we say this every year because we have like a coaching change every year and tumult and losing, you know, 90% of our players and bringing guys in and injuries. But the, the fact that, you know, we're going to have an off season where this group of guys can go in and work through – if you think about it, Finch came in and a lot of people were really excited about what he tried to implement. But what was the whole thing that gave him his time to do this? Ooh, he's got a week and a half off because the All-Star game. That'll give him a time to implement his system. It's like, well, he came in midstream, drastically wanted to change stuff up. In some cases with players, they're very young guys that haven't had a lot of reps together. So, like, not only is it a team that doesn't have a lot of time together within the personnel but also he hasn't had an off season to work with them. And so I think just simply, you know, knowing where your partner is going to be on a defensive assignment, understanding, you know, where a person's going to be when you want to feed them and where they like to get the ball and all this sort of stuff that just having a time to work through that is going to be huge. How about, what do you think? Well, I'm actually as interested in the Olympics and players getting reps there as I am them working together in the off season. Cause I was it, defense as you uh, allude to, like, how do you, I'm curious, how do you practice defense? You practice. I know there's oh. like the schemes and there's the communication and understanding the rotations and all of that. Um, I think that's a huge part of it is, is making muscle memory out of, when this happens, what do you do and what do you expect to be happening behind you? But I guess one of the things I wonder is, do you have to like internalize the scheme, but then the muscle memory only comes from live action? I think there are some things in life you only learn really well from live reps. Well, they have this thing called scrimmage, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but scrimmage at... You, you, to me, to like truly learn it, you have to have scrimmage against players that are a lot better than you, or not even a lot better than you, a degree better than you, not a lot better than you, because then you just get run over. But if you have people that are kind of like your same level where you just totally neutralize each other or they're worse than you, not great necessarily. But this brings me to the Olympics point, which is that you've got four players, Akogi, Hernan Gomez, Ricky Rubio, and Leandro Bomaro participating in the Olympic Games in Tokyo. And then you have Anthony Edwards and Nas Reed as a part of like a part of the US team as well. Actually, are they? Yeah, they're not on the roster, but they're a part of like the entity or the organization that participates with them. Okay. Let me try to explain that. Uh, and so to me, like Ant and Naz getting those reps and those opportunities will really help, even though it's not necessarily cohesion as a team. Hmm. But I, I, would, I would say that the guys staying back are not going to benefit as much from like the team cohesion. Because to me, you'd have to have like the core group. Hmm. Got to have Cat. Got to have D'Lo. Got to have... Oh, so Cat and D'Lo are not there for 
the summer stuff. We're talking just summer, not just off season, aren't we? Right. So I will con- I will concede that that I think that that true benefit is going to come from training camp, not from summer. So in that sense, you can strike uh, everything that I said. No, but I, I yeah. So you're saying at least everybody going into training camp, and I think having yeah. Ant and Naz having those reps with the team. So. What happens is Ant and Naz are going to practice and scrimmage with the Team USA select team. Yeah, I will say that based on my experience, so I was really into FIBA a couple summers ago because we had just gotten some cable-ish package that allowed us to see these games, and like I was really starved for basketball, so I'm watching the Nigerian team. You've always I'm been the, really into that. Uh, well, yeah. it, very much that year, just like, I want basketball, and so I'm watching, oh, what's his name, that point guard well. for, for uh, I can't think of his name, for the Bulls. He's just like, these guys that are sort of like no-count players, and then they get there, and they're just like the guy on Poland yeah. or whatever. Stra, Stra, Stravinsky? No. <laughs> anyway, for, Sadoransky. Oh, Sadoransky. So he's like good. just balling out, though, you know. Yeah. He's okay. Yeah. And then you get like Giannis that's just stifled because like whoever they're playing is like his game just does not translate interestingly to, you know, the international game and mm. he can't do as much as you'd like. And, and Josh Akogi is just like leading, you know, Nigeria. And... I feel like so much does not translate from that type of competition. I think that's going to be similar. FIBA is a little different than the Olympics, though. A little. It not is, a, a lot. It's a little different. And, and I think also what, what was making me think of is the idea that you're rubbing shoulders. So, like, in the Olympic team, our Olympic team last year had, like, Chris Middleton was the star, our FIBA team. And he actually did badly. And Joe Harris did. Everyone did badly at FIBA on the, on the U.S. team. But I think in the Olympics where you have like a higher level of star participating, I think being able to rub shoulders with those guys, get in the know, become friends, sort of, you know, jersey exchanging sort of camaraderie and fraternity. Mm-hmm. I think there's benefit there. But it might be a little overrated. Like is you're, you're, you're alluding to international experience or Olympic experience, FIBA experience being a little bit overrated. Because I've seen a fair amount of excitement around like, ah, oh, Ant is getting this experience around the u.s team at least yeah and i'm not even talking team. about it's gonna you know some star and you know, james harden's gonna teach him how to do a better step back it's not that <laughs> yeah. so much as i just think that there are intangibles that come from being around those guys whether it has it could be anything from suddenly how you're being perceived by media to you know maybe how you're being treated by your refs but suddenly you're in this new sort of smoking jacket <laughs> fraternity that sort of is an all-access pass to the executive washroom that like <laughs> you just it's things just change for you mm. opportunities open in the yeah NBA. relationships yeah all right next question dan this one from at west the wolves fan so at Wes the Wolves fan, W-E-S the Wolves fan on Twitter, is there another team slash organization that Gerson is trying to model the Wolves into? So I think the idea, and the thing you heard a lot when he had just come on board is, oh, is he going to make us Houston North? 
and I think he may have brought over some philosophy that was, you know, in common. Obviously, you know, he would have shared it with some of the people there at that organization. I don't think he ever was set out with, like, a very specific blueprint in mind. I think we know that he, you know, very much was going for sort of a small ball approach to basketball. You saw them willing to star hunting, and I don't think the star hunting has changed. I think it's actually to his credit we see our organization in real time sort of pivoting a little as the the entire league, the most forward-thinking people in the league are pivoting a little away from thinking that, you know, basically the reemergence or understanding that there's value in a big big guy or yeah. a big front court. Uh, we see the Wolves sort of coming to that realization where to say, hey, having a rangy, squirrely little four is maybe not quite enough and, and pairing a couple big guys at the time. So I think it's a promising sign that they're willing to adapt and change and they're not locked into a very specific blueprint that can't be changed. And I, I think my simple answer to this is, no, I don't think they're modeling it after any specific franchise, but there is a... They basically have their preferences. And, and the hunting for the stars as we know, even in the right here and now, has not really changed. Do you see it like that? I do see it like that. The one thing I wonder is, think about another typical cellar-dwelling team. Never heard of them. (laughs) (laughs) And their leadership, like a perennial cellar-dwelling team or like a regular cellar-dwelling team like Sacramento. Sacramento, Orlando's been there for yeah. a while. Um, those are a couple, and like, not Chicago per se. Like, it's hard to associate Chicago with that, but they have, over the past handful of years, and some teams in the East, like Charlotte, just kind of a perennial. Cleveland, whenever they don't have LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> literally. <laughs> is it because we're Wolves fans that it feels like? there is more of like an optimism around our front office compared to other often cellar dwelling teams or is it like is there actually something to this where even if we're not trying to model ourselves after another team because i don't think that gerson's trying to do that i think he's adapting to the moment sometimes it works well sometimes it doesn't like the culver trade thus far is looking really bad but at other times you know Drafting Ant, drafting Jaden, the trade for Rubio, which allowed us to get Jaden. That you know, it to me at least seems like he is remaining as relevant to the leading edge of the NBA mm-hmm. as possible. I think that he's not clinging to like a model of another team from the past or even his time in Houston, but more of like trying to push the envelope to see what sticks. And I kind of like that. And I don't feel like I see other teams as active as we are. And I, and maybe as a fan, I just like seeing us active. Yeah, I, I think, in fairness, and, and we can get really excited and on the train. I mean, look, you're a nine and I'm an eight about a team that, yeah. you know, is in the lottery. <laughs> um, but I think we, we've also been very critical and, and appropriately pessimistic in times where we had a backwards-thinking coach or a backwards-thinking front mm-hmm. office. And so I think 
Rosas did come in with a good pedigree, and not everyone bats a thousand, but I think we've been generally really pleased with a lot of his decision making. Yes. If you think about like the the Culver decision, was how many days on the job was he at that point? I don't know, but there's, I, I there's no like, excuses, yeah, right? So yeah, sure, but but, but, but I think on balance on, he's, yeah. he's you know batting over five hundred anyway, for sure. Um, and I you look at some of the decisions that are being made, even by teams that are held out as a model of like what was sort of dysfunction was involved in that Portland decision and not coordinating with you know Lillard or whatever, or an organization like Sacramento who. Like what the heck are they doing down there? And 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 soon we'll be able to talk about whoever it is that signs Reggie Jackson to like a five-year, hundred twenty million dollar contract mm. after these playoffs. So true. They'll be in our next conversation. Like that's a topic for another time. But like I'm, I mean the guy is balling out, but I mean he is just the latest in a line of you know like he's the Timothy Moskov of you know, 2021 or whatever. Um, that That's not fair, but kind of my point stands. <laughs> I like that. All right, Dan. Next from at Brian J. Heaton. Brian wants to know why Ben Simmons is not a fit for the Wolves, both on the floor and financially. Brian says, I think too many fans get worked up over a name and don't have a grasp on the realities of the franchise and the plan Rosas has in, has put in place. Being, it'd be nice to illustrate for people why it isn't realistic. I, boy, I, this, this looks like a leading question. How dare you? is so wrong to, to have to specifically request that I argue their basketball take. <laughs> that violates nine norms of mailbag <laughs> And yet, Dan, yeah. answer Brian's question. <laughs> sure. Okay, Brian. Well, what I'm going to do is, is sort of discuss. So, Brian wants you to argue that point here. Yeah, is so, is there validity to that point? Or are you not at all on that? Uh, so, I I can I can understand. I I think it could be arguable that that Simmons is not a good fit. I mean, for three years, what have we been desperate to bring in shooting, and suddenly we're going to bring in a you know a point guard that can do everything except for shoot? Does that sound familiar? Um, but I mean, he can do everything else. <laughs> A lot better than Ricky, <laughs> ah. um, and you know, I, I, I personally, I would be pretty excited if if they brought in Ben Simmons because I, it's yeah. So is that the choice though? Or? Well, it's, so, so the way this was put is like you know, why do fans getting worked up over this thing that's going to knock Rosas's plans off kilter? But that's sort of like a weird way to frame it because. In order for it to happen, Rosas would not have would have to not have that plan. It's like it totally. If Rosas makes this call, then obviously he does have a plan for it. It's not like he's going to do it in in, in like a, a heat of the moment and then have by you know and then suddenly what have I done? It's not like I didn't think this through. <laughs> Rosas isn't drinking a double IPA and being like <laughs> right. that one. Yeah. So I mean, if Rosas were, I I do have very much a in. in in the parole sauce, I trust 
attitude still. Mm -hmm. And I I think that they're going to have a plan in place were they to pull that trigger. You know, I worry personally a little bit. It's like, oh, I'd feel a little bad that, like, this whole thing, we really still want to see D'Lo and Cat, and what does that bring in? And if we lost D'Lo through that, you know, what would that mean? You know, how how would we work? Through? I mean, I, I, Ben Simmons is better than D'Lo, but, you know, I, def- I wouldn't want to lose Ant in this for sure. It would make me really sad to lose Jade McDaniels. But, I mean, Cat and Ben Simmons is instantly a playoff team, and if you had Ant on that team and Ant continued his shooting, his outside shooting, and I just see a lot of upside. So I'm sorry, Brian, I can't argue your point. I can understand why you would be a little um, hesitant about it. And also it puts you in sort of a cap hell. We're already in a cap hell, and now you're probably throwing in extra draft picks that, you know, it's like, well, you're, you're definitely throwing all your cards in at that point. But... I mean, it's there's there'd be a worse thing than being a sort of a almost as long as health stayed, you know, in place that you're like a guaranteed competitive four or five seed or something like that. I it's hard to say that wouldn't be a fun ride. A lot of the yeah, especially for Timberwolves, but the uh, a lot of the the rip on Simmons of late. It's just that he wasn't willing to be assertive offensively in the playoffs, when yeah. he, especially in the fourth quarter. And he may not have to do that here. You know, yeah, if you're keeping Cat and, and I mean, there, there's this whole, isn't there's this weird sort of question about, you know, how do you know who's going to get the ball in crunch time when, when, when D'Lo's here? And so it's like, well, you know, what if it's, what if, uh, Cat and, and Ant are plenty to take those 15 shots you need. And by the way, Ben, uh, uh, Joel Embiid, as much as he loves to chuck it out from three-point range, that's not where he is a threat. And everybody's happy when he's shooting it from out there on the other team. But, I mean, we got guys you can't leave open. I mean, maybe in this calculation you don't have Beasley anymore and you are starting to get a little bit starved for shooting. But... Um, I mean, that's that's a, probably a gamble I'm willing to take. Sorry, I think I cut you off, Josh. You, you, you did not cut no, me okay. off. Oh, okay. So <laughs> if, let me give you a scenario, Dan. Yeah. If we traded for Ben Simmons, and that means D'Lo is gone and Beasley's gone, let's just connect it to humans as opposed to picks. And, okay, sure. We keep Ant, but D'Lo's gone, Beasley's gone. And That's two, a lot of shooting. And two future first-round picks are gone. Let's go with that. And it's somebody's. I know a lot of people are going to write in and say, guys, those salaries don't match. Just, just go with us here. <laughs> yeah, this is from like an excitement perspective. We don't do trade machine here. We're it, just An excitement perspective on the Wolves. Those salaries might be closer than you think with D'Lo and Beasley because we got a max player and uh, yeah. Uh, 15 uh, million a year player. Anyway, doesn't matter. You're yeah. right. We're not going into the Another the math. We're, I, we're, I want this as a, like an excitement perspective. Yeah, if that's the, what we do here. Yeah, if the <laughs> Wolves traded D'Lo and Beasley and a couple of fu- two first future first round picks for Ben Simmons, are you m- more excited, less excited, or equally excited for? our season moving forward before you were an eight what are you now see brian this is the question you should have asked <laughs> but keep listening to the podcast brian because dan is 
frustrated right now, but... Dan's deep into his cups. Yeah, right. Yeah, just <laughs> let go of that because this has prompted a conversation. So, yeah, Dan, no, Dan, it's, Dan, it's rather than Rather than being mean to a listener, will you please answer <laughs> the question you wanted to ask? Brian, we love you. I'm just Dan likes questions fun. that he wants to be asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's... I'm going to say... Try not to overthink it. I'm just going to say yes. Because... Well, I asked if you were going to be more excited, less excited, (laughs) or the same. I know this is going to be controversial, but yes. More excited. Yes, more excited. More more excited. excited. And and I think it it really is... I'm always kind of excited. I'm an agent of change, Josh. You probably know that about me. And I'm excited by change and that kind of like the excitement level. I mean, it would be exciting. Like right now, as excited as I am about the team, I don't, I can't sit here and say like, oh, for sure we're making the playoffs next year. I feel like given health is always the given, but Ben Simmons joins this team with Kat and Ant. We're making the playoffs, period. That's exciting. You know, with, with D'Lo, it's, we're still in that phase of, like, we really want that synergy to work. We see tantalizing, exciting things. We love. We're a pro D'Lo podcast. We say it again and again, yes. and we love the friendship of D'Lo and Kat. And just D'Lo is so cool. <laughs> we just love it. Um, but I can't guarantee that team's going to the playoffs. I feel like I could help pending guarantee that Simmons and Cat are taking the team to the playoffs. Okay. Dan, it's time for the hype up segment. Hype it up. Do you have anything to add about what you're most excited about with the Timberwolves? What are you most so, excited about? Um, you know what? I, the thing I would say, I think I'm actually going to get to in our segment after our, the note from our sponsor. Yeah. So if you have a thing that you want to talk about that you're really excited, otherwise I think I'll cover this in, in just a minute. The thing I'm most excited about right now, Dan, is something that may never exist, but I'm hoping for. What I'm really excited about is a maple brown ale. <laughs> 100% And that, that is going to exist. 100% right In front of me in about <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> Not two minutes, but soon. The, uh, the thing I'm most excited about is that maybe Anthony Edwards is in the dunk contest next year. <laughs> and we get another Timberwolves dunk contest oh. champion. Wouldn't it be fun to see Ant go against Zach Levine in the dunk ah, contest? And beat him. Zach's no, it would be fun to see him lose, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> we love Zach, though, too. We do. All yeah. right, Dan. So uh, hype it up. Uh, Anthony Edwards dunks. That's what I'm most excited about. And I'm, I'm excited. I guess I'll just say, you know, Anthony Edwards' trajectory. Sure. How about that? Okay. Okay. Before we spout off anymore, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Josh. Dan, it's time to face it. Cats crave moving water. Don't I know it. And because many cats don't get moving water, many don't drink enough, and that can lead to all kinds of outcomes from your cat seeking out water from the sink or even the toilet. No! 
are just not getting enough water at all, which is obviously not good for your cat. Thirsty Cat, Fountains to the Rescue. Thirsty Cat was founded in 2010 in response to the need for a high-quality cat fountain that was food safe, easy to clean, and attractive. In a marketplace filled with inferior products, Thirsty Cat has built its reputation by using the right components such as the highest quality, quietest pumps around, a cord that doesn't go annoyingly over the rim, and their own proprietary method for making a durable, beautiful, food-safe ceramic clays. Thirsty Cat is the only fountain to have received the International Cat Association's highest prize for endorsement of excellence. You can visit their website at thirstycatfountains.com. Thirstycatfountains.com to see their fine array of products. Everything from bubble-up cat fountains to raised bubble-up fountains to stream cat fountains and even explore their unique Create your own fountain feature. Oh, Dan, you got to try out that create your own fountain feature. I'm there. To bring home a cat fountain that will look like a work of art while lasting a lifetime. Again, that's thirstycatfountains.com. Okay, now we're to our blind spots segment. And this is really talking about <clears throat> where are people missing the point entirely in Twitter discourse, online discourse, and so on. So, Josh, I want to call your attention to a, a book uh, called When Changing Nothing Changes Everything, The Power of Reframing Your Life by Laurie Pulich Short. You know what makes me mad about your inclusion of that? What? Is that through the Convene Training and Resilience Community, I'm always looking for speakers. Yeah. Uh, along this vein of topic. And then I researched this book. And it comes from a perspective that I would never actually offer the audience. I'm sure it does because <laughs> I literally... So I'm bitter I because I spent five minutes going down the rabbit hole of this because it seems like a really powerful thing, but... Uh, it's probably totally BS. <laughs> So what happened? I don't even want to say that, oh, okay. but it just it comes from a lens that uh, I couldn't I couldn't utilize. <laughs> the funny thing is, so I I <laughs> I wanted to make a point about changing nothing change, changes everything, and so I literally just did a search in Amazon, and it was the first <laughs> thing that I knew there'd be a book because there's always a book. There's always someone willing to sell you a concept. You like you could be like, you know, when you know. <laughs> Dropping dishes on your head is the way. He's like, and somebody's out there writing a book about it. And so, to, to me, this seems like the perfect thing to probably fill the niche of people that like don't feel like doing anything, but they want to, to read a book that tells them that that was a great idea. And look, I'm a big proponent of doing nothing because I think we're driven to do things too often, and there's real power in just taking time to just not feel like you're obligated to be actually doing something. This is called meditation, but, um, but, but I say this all in jest because from my standpoint, it, it is really interesting that the Timberwolves have done nothing in the last month, and I feel so much better about where we're at relative to some other franchises from a couple standpoints. One is, as we talked about earlier, sort of this dysfunction. is like we're seeing these teams, and maybe Portland doesn't truly free fall, but maybe they get rid of Damian Lillard in a fire sale and blow it up. Like how different is that than they were a month and a half ago when everyone's crazy about Portland is like that's the team that everyone fears. 
Philadelphia, as we just talked about, number one seed, they might be about to blow it up. Whoa, maybe Luka's going to force his way out of Dallas. So there's all this weird just sort of machinations that doesn't have it very much to do with the basketball court, but it has to do with like disarray and dysfunction that's happening while the Timberwolves do nothing. And the other thing is, and I had made a tweet to this regard um, in, in like the first round or two of the playoffs, I forget exactly when, but I would always hear, we love Britt Robson and Dane Moore, but you'll hear, especially from Britt, this idea that you watch the playoffs and you start realizing how far the Timberwolves are away from being mm. competitive. It's like, boy, that makes you realize how, you know, I actually was watching the playoffs like, man, these a lot of these teams are deeply flawed. They have a lot of problems. Oh, the Timberwolves have some problems too. But our problems are correctable, and they're, you know, maybe their problems are correctable. But, like, I, I actually did not have that same takeaway. I like look at these teams where you got a guy that just can't stop anybody, right. another guy that can't shoot, a team that, you know, <laughs> disappears for long stretches in a certain quarter in the game. Like these teams are like a team that is like completely one guy goes down and they're toast. And by the way, that's a huge deal in this whole era of accumulating stars to win a championship. And that what happens when you're one or two guys that you're mortgaging your future on goes down. Um, and you I, called I, that with the Nets a long time ago. So I was joking about our Phoenix takes earlier, but that your your Nets take was like, until something happens with Harden and Kyrie. Yeah, I was thinking more something emotionally or yeah, mentally, yeah. but, you know, even I guess so, get, yeah. what I have you. you or, yeah. all those boxes. And yeah. it, but then that exactly, the physical thing also happened yeah. with, you know, it's kind of happening with the Clippers. It's happened with L.A. Um, obviously happened with Golden State. Um, yeah, man, you, you put all your eggs in, in those star baskets. And, and what were we just saying about Rose? He's hunting those stars. you got to hunt those durable oh, yeah. stars yeah. is what you got to do. That Seriously, that's hunt those durable, durable stars, Gerson Rosas. But <laughs> that's, to me, I, I feel like that's not being, if there's a thing that's a blind spot that's not being talked about, it's how, like, we got this roster that we're, kind of excited about what might they be next year and then like, maybe we don't have to do much of anything and it's like oh these guys just fell down past us how many things changed that you just had no idea a team was going to be this good or this bad or whatever right and, you know what do you think here's my blind spot yeah Jane mcdaniels nationally underrated oh yeah locally overrated oh <laughs> interesting Jaden McDaniels, nationally unknown, mm-hmm. ignored, locally, and I'm I'm big on Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but he's not as good yet. He's not like first year Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, yeah. I, you got to answer to people on Twitter I, after you finish right. this episode. <laughs> All right. No. Uh, he shows a lot of promise, mm-hmm. but to me, he is, and maybe people's excitement is like, our fourth best guy is Jaden McDaniels. Is he our fourth best guy, Josh? I don't know. Well, that's a terrible answer. <laughs> no, because... <laughs> is that going to be start being your goat? That's your cat's phrase. <laughs> what are you most excited about this big year? I don't know, Dan. <laughs> so I think about the Bucks. 
which everybody likes to kind of like crap on the Bucks right yeah. now. Oh, do they? Oh yeah, it's like oh man, the only thing that get that's getting in the way of the Bucks in these playoffs is the Bucks, and huh. there was like even um, Zach Lowe shared something out or wrote something that was like the Bucks offense. What's wrong with it? in the net series it was after a game that like they won 89 to 85 but they won the game <laughs> so when you think about the bucks their three best players are Giannis, middleton and drew holiday and then their fourth guy is who um, maybe pj tucker maybe nah. robin lopez um, you mean uh is it brooke lopez? no 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 it's, it's robin right no it's brooke is it yeah robin lopez is yeah okay anyway yeah but the Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then if if the Wolves' top three players are Cat, Ant, D'Lo, our fourth guy is who? Is it Beasley? Is it Jaden? Is it Rubio? Like, who is it? Who's the – and is Jaden, like, are, is the excitement that justified over him as the fourth? It's Beasley until it's Jaden – but maybe to your point, when you get down to number four on a lot of these teams, I think I, I think there's some exceptions, like the Clippers, probably. And if you want an old Bulls reference, which I know you don't, <laughs> but you know you had Jordan Pippen, Rodman as like the big three, and then the fourth was Tony Kukoc. Yeah, you know Tony Kukoc was a hell of a player. Who's our uh, fifth? Cartwright? <laughs> no, uh, then you're talking Paxson. like... Yeah, your your uh, your earlier bulls. Then you're talking like Luke Longley, Ron Harper, uh, you know, Randy Brown. Yeah, so you drop off pretty precipitously. You drop off a lot. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm a big Jaden McDaniels guy, but it seems like just a lot of excitement. Yeah. And it's like a blind spot might be that like, and they might be right. And I hope he's phenomenal. And I think he's like demonstrated a really solid rookie campaign. But a blind spot might be that like he's underrated nationally. He's overrated locally. And it'd be interesting to see what steps he takes in year two. It, 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 it's one thing that's pretty interesting. If you, if you think about it, it took a long time for them to take enough of a chance. Cause they sort of started the year with the same disposition the fan base did. This guy has a project. Mm-hmm. Maybe you sent him to the G League or whatever. And then he came in for these brief little stints, did so well defensively and just sort of like his sense of the game that yeah. they were forced to insert him more. But, he I mean, he didn't get – it might have been a very different trajectory trajectory for him had they entered his rookie season with the idea that like okay we got to get this guy out there give him reps like you do with sort of the top draft pick for a lot of teams yeah so i guess i would say the i'm not saying i'd necessarily disagree with you but you i can. think the the argument against it would be that his role was predetermined to be limited they didn't ask him to create. They didn't ask him to initiate. You know, they were basically like, be a glue guy. Yeah. And he was a great glue great guy. Great guy. Um, and I was kind of excited that it seemed like every few weeks he'd throw in a little wrinkle into his offensive game. It's not like this 19-year-old kid isn't out there doing, you know, working on stuff. Not in the limelight, but 
you know, maybe that's going to be unveiled here and there, and it's not a terrible sort of spot-up three-point shooter. Yeah. But I, the idea that, and and you, this might still be, oh, people lo- locally overrating what this ultimately caps at. But if he ends up being this really, really good defensive player and can hit spot-up threes and you can't leave him alone because he can play make if he has to. I mean, that's if that ends up being your fourth, fifth guy, even if that's the cap, that's tremendous. That's like a huge thing for a team that is out there star hunting or, you know, like because now you got your, your main scorers and maybe you have... And, and the advantage of him being underrated nationally is maybe they don't want him included in trade packages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm a Jaden McDaniels fan. Well, I don't know if Shaq cares that he's included in trade packages. Shaq may not know his name. Yeah, sure, for certainly no. doesn't. <laughs> for sure doesn't. All right, Dan, it's time for Timberwolf Power Rankings. Yeah. Number five, we've been talking about him. Tell us anything uh, you want to add here. Just Jaden McDaniels. I think the reason I included him here, there's so much talk and like the sudden trade speculation. Around what if something happened with Simmons? What if, and who gets thrown in there? Who probably really moves the needle for a lot of these other front offices is if you throw in Jaden McDaniels because of this potential that we're not alone in seeing, even if the national media isn't talking about him a lot. Um, Maybe other teams see it. Yeah. So just kind of the the power he has in moving the needle in trade packages. I'm putting Jade McDaniels at number five. Number four? Uh, Ricky Rubio, because of the power of his salary and the fact that it's one more year and he's off the books, the power that that has in trade packages. Number three? The power that Malik Beasley's salary has in trade packages, along with the fact that he's a, delivers a very much needed commodity in the commodity in the NBA, which is just being a, a lot, you know, a, a dead eye from three point on a pretty reasonable deal. But also, as we talk about, we laugh, we laugh about you know the power of the you know the trade <laughs> propositioning, but. <clears throat> The most valuable salaries in, in trying to make these deals work to bring in a star. Obviously, you get those guys that are making from like twelve to nineteen million dollars, because you can't you can't make a trade package that is only your guys on rookie deals, because you'll never add up to the salary. And nobody wants your D'Lo max salary guys, but you got these like fifteen to seventeen million dollar guys. Either it's guy a guy like Ricky that's coming off the books, or it's a guy like Malik who's worth what he's getting paid, probably, or more. And so there's a lot of power in the trade package when you put a guy like that in. Do you think there is, back to number five, Jane McDaniels, league-wide, you can't read mine, but are people more interested in Juancho Erning Gomez or Jane McDaniels? League-wide? Jane McDaniels. It's not even close. How do you know that? Um, well, actually, this is a great point because sometimes like there's a mailbag question or somebody will ask some question. I've had a person or two send, I'm not lying, send uh, like uh, uh, you've seen them because you have access to the account. Twitter, there will be a message that comes in. Someone will say, what do you think the front office is you know, going to do? with?" Those are the questions I'm actually literally unwilling to answer because we don't have connections. We don't have sources. We're just 
working off the same sources every, everyone else is, which is, you know, what everyone sees. And so I don't know, I don't know what other teams truly value. They would be insane not to value Jaden McDaniels more because super cheap rookie deal, super great promise. I feel like with Wancho earning Gomez, you kind of know what he is and you're committed to paying him $7 million. But I guess what I'm getting at here, Dan, is that I don't think league-wide executives are so that on it that name recognition doesn't matter, and when you look at Jaden's stats, it doesn't tell the story, and we know that. I think the dumb ones aren't on it, and the smart ones are, and we know that there's still dumb ones, and, and we imagine that there's probably really smart ones that are very aware of what he could be. Yeah. All right. Dan, number two in your Timberwolf power rankings. Leandro Balmaro. Oh. And, and this is really going on the strength of people. Timberwolf like clips. Timberwolf <laughs> clips. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. And, and just general, like, people are really up on this guy. I, I said, said this thing a couple of weeks ago that, like, I kind of wish this guy was a power forward because that's the position of need. Right. Can you imagine if we had this, like, this amazingly skilled, just balling banger, out yeah. banger of a power forward? You would have to be more excited about that. Yes. As it is, it's like whether Ben Simmons or D'Lo, you got to really talk about this guy in terms of what his value is in a trade package. <laughs> But he does seem like he's he's playing pretty well. I just I don't get into like this podcast is not really about prospects, is it? Like we don't get into like the college rankings and that sort of thing, and um, and so I I, I haven't watched a lot of Balmaro's Timberwolf clips. Timberwolf clips. Um, but I understand he's pretty exciting. <laughs> And he's number two in the power rankings. And power rankings, a reminder, everyone, it's who has the buzz in Timberwolf Nation, not who's the best player. And number one in your power rankings, Dan. How do you not give it to a guy that we would be unwilling to trade for Damian Lillard? (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Edwards. We're just so excited about him, everyone in Timberwolf Nation. How about Josh, each uh, episode we come back to you for a sixth man, which is not always a man. Sometimes it's a concept. Sometimes it's a, a notion or a, it's a, a man philosophy. That, it's a man. That's, oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's Ben Simmons, Dan. Uh, ben Simmons yeah, is the looming sixth man <laughs> for the Timberwolf Power Rankings for obvious reasons. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for the 13th episode of Timberwolves Tip to Tap uh, here live at 56 Brewing in the Mezzanine. Follow our Twitter at Tip to Tap. You should take a picture. We'll like post it. Um, tip to Tap. Let's spell out too so it's Tip T-O Tap. Uh, we're talking mostly Timberwolves and the general NBA. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you can think of anyone else who might want to join us for Timberwolf and Minnesota Craft Beer Talk, please let them know about us. For Timberwolves Tip to Tap, I'm Josh Dye. And I'm Dan Hilton. It's a suffering world. A divided country. A sweltering northeast. Threatening northwest. (laughs) Double IPA. Threatening variant strains. Delta's no longer just an airline. It's a variant. (laughs)
The NBA, as it was last summer, is a balm and an elixir. Give yourself permission to chill out and just escape in your love of the game, including in the offseason. But, folks, be good to each other. Share a 56 brewing beer, either here or on their northeast patio or at home on your own. Talk trades and future prospects. Laugh, high-five, and get ready for Summer League. Summer League. <laughs> Go Wolves. How?